You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yes! That's awesome! We start off this week's episode of The Pipeline Show with our CHL Insider segment brought to you by the store next door in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, employing people with disabilities and collecting all the broken hockey sticks they can get their hands on and turning that junk into some uh, absolute treasure, some really cool stuff that they make. You can check out uh, their their catalog on their website at thestorenextdoor.ca and uh, see what's uh, what might be of interest for you. Uh, my uh, CHL insider today, uh, we go all the way out to uh, Nova Scotia, and uh, Patrick McNeil, voice of the Cape Breton No Longer Screaming Eagles. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show uh, again, Patrick. How are you? Good. Thanks, Guy. I've, uh, I think I've got used to that by now, but people who aren't invested in the queue or have other things that they have to follow and do hockey it's still a bit of an adjustment for them i think well it was always a mouthful for the me team to name, say. I should say. yeah yeah <laughs> that's right it was always a mouthful for me to say so i'm actually happy with the change but it actually has taken me a few times to actually uh i keep catching myself uh i still say screaming eagles every once in a while but it's a lot easier yeah, well, I was actually thinking by the end of the year, I might do an outtake reel from the early parts of the season uh, with interviews <laughs> with players and whatnot. But I guess uh, it is a little bit cleaner, and the Eagles are trying to uh, channel the uh, Anaheim Ducks spirit, who you may recall won the Stanley Cup the first year they dropped the word might be. So we won't complain if we get the same result in Cape Breton. Well, pretty good start to the season uh, right now as they look at the standings in the Eastern Conference. So tied for top spot with 24 points with the Moncton Wildcats, as you and I are chatting at least uh, here on a Wednesday. and. Uh, going into this weekend's games, uh, what's gone right uh, so far for the Eagles? Well, what's interesting is before a lot of people hear this, the Eagles have a home-and-home home set with Moncton, so that's going to probably tell the tale. Mm. Uh, what's been most interesting is the name most of your listeners would know in the Eagles has barely played. Matthias LaFerriere, who was at the World Junior Camp in the summer, uh, got hit from behind in the first game of the season. I don't even think he had any points at that point of the game, and he's been out ever since. Uh, we're hoping he comes back this month, but the real question is what's going to happen to the Lions when he comes back, because right now this is a team that is uh, leading the league in goals, and it's just been the top line has just been unbelievable. Uh, you have uh, Igor Sokolov, who went to Columbus camp two years in a row, who was undrafted. Uh, fans might remember he played in the top prospect game. He actually scored in that game when he was undrafted. And he's just been bulldozing through people. Uh, Sean Boudry is an overage forward who was drafted by Minnesota. He's uh, been great on that line as well. And Ryan Francis is a small, shifty player. He's a December birthday, so this is his third year in the league, and this is his first year being draft eligible. He's really had a breakout party this year. You could always see the skill. So that line has been kind of leading the parade, but the offense has been deep in general. Uh, kind of uh, a quiet group in terms of the defense. They're quietly veterans, I guess you could say, because they have four 19-year-olds on the two uh, top pairs there. Mm. And pair Adam McCormick and Jared Baker's both been really good. I think they're the top two in plus minus or close to it and among the leading uh, point getters as well. Uh, Kevin Mandelise is an Ottawa Senators draft pick. He's the goaltender. Uh, the big change in the offseason is that uh, Jake Grimes came in as head coach, and he had been the assistant coach in Guelph. An interesting tie-in there was that he was assistant under, of course, George Burnett, and George Burnett won the Calder Cup with the Cape Breton Oilers back in 93. And uh, Jake's from Nova Scotia, obviously, uh, has winning experience if he won uh, in Guelph. And, and he uh, brought in two new assistants, uh, Matt Anthony is a guy from Nova Scotia, and also Chris Culligan, who's from Cape Breton and happens to be the Eagles' all-time leading scorer. And you factor in those two guys and a uh, goalie coach, uh, Chuck Grant, and the goalie uh, assist, the goalie coach supervisor, I guess we can say, Scott Guthrow. It's an all Nova Scotian coaching staff. And uh, thus far, they've uh, been doing wonders with a team that's been fun to watch. And 
as you said, tied for first in the Eastern Conference, but the East, just like last year, is very much the strength of the league, so going to be a lot of tough games, but that's a little bit about what's been going on right in Cape Breton thus far. Well, and you mentioned the home-and-home this weekend uh, with, or this weekend and uh, with Moncton. Is it a surprise at all that these two clubs are at the top of the conference right now? I don't think so. I think it's pretty much what people expected. It's interesting if you look at the national rankings prior to the year, Halifax was getting a lot of respect, and I think that's because fans saw them or the people making the ratings saw them at the Memorial Cup, and they're seeing those key pieces are back, like Benoit Olivier-Guru is back, Jared McIsaac is on the roster, but obviously he's out with injury. He hasn't played yet. He's not going to be back till November. And Maxime Trapagne, star 20-year-old, back as well. Raphael Lavois. The Halifax team, if there was no line changes, would be a powerhouse. Right. But, of course, depth is an issue in the QMJHL. So, yeah, the Eagles actually are, as we record this, the Eagles beat Halifax 7-1 last night. Halifax, in their previous game there, they won 8-2. And I can't remember a time in the rivalry between the two teams. It's got to be one of the best rivalries in the CHL. where The two teams were both good on paper, and one of them just absolutely smoked the other in consecutive games, both on the road. Hmm. So uh, you look at that, Cape Breton and Moncton had strong rosters on paper coming into the year. Halifax, as I said, top-heavy. Uh, you know, those guys, don't get me wrong, their top guys can win games on their own. Alexi Gravel is an NHL drafted goaltender. Justin Barron on the back end is going to be a first-round pick in the NHL. So they have the talent, and they are winning some games, but they, like I said, the depth is the issue. Maybe kind of the opposite problem in Charlottetown. Um, they have a very good team that's deep, but maybe not as top-heavy. So I think those are the four teams people are looking at, but I think most people who are watching the division closely were zeroing in on Cape Breton and Moncton. Now, Moncton, one thing that was interesting with them is they had uh, three question marks, I guess you could say, because they had a good core of 20-year-olds they expected to come back, and then two of them unexpectedly signed AHL contracts. Because Jeremy McKenna jumped up to sign a contract with uh, Calgary's firm team. McKenna, very good junior player, but a bit on the smaller side, so it was kind of assumed he'd play as a 20. But he signs a pro contract, and uh, Jonathan Aspero, not necessarily the most offensive defenseman, but really tough as nails, really aggravating to play against. And in fact, uh, Ryan, Fran- Ryan Francis that I just mentioned uh, earlier, I asked him before, he said Aspero was the toughest defenseman he had to play against in his time playing hockey. So Aspero, same as McKenna, signed an AHL deal. And the Wildcats took a bit of a gamble when they picked uh, Axel Anderson from Sweden, Boston Bruins draft pick, in the import draft. So they didn't know if he was going to come. At the beginning of the year, As- uh, Anderson hadn't reported. McKenna and Aspero had signed in the, NH- in the AHL. Aspero is still there, but McKenna came back, and Anderson has reported to Moncton as well. So those guys coming in, plus the trade for Olivier Rodriguez in the offseason, uh, Jacob Pelche, first-round draft pick, uh, Calgary Flames coming back. That's a very strong team. So it's going to be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to these two games between the two teams. It'll be our first look at Anderson because the day he reported, his paperwork hadn't been sorted out yet, so we didn't get to see him that day. So really looking forward to seeing how these two take up. It's a shame we don't have LaFerriere yet, but it's going to be some good battles in the Maritime this year for sure. Patrick McNeil is the voice of the Cape Breton Eagles, and he's my CHL insider on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Uh, also in the Eastern Conference, you've got the Ramuski uh, Oceanic, with uh, three of the top scorers uh, in, well, the three top scorers in the queue right now. Is this a, a very top-heavy team? I mean, that's obviously a, a pretty dynamic line if uh, Alexi Lafreniere and Cedric Paré and, and Dimitri Zavgorodny, if uh, I came even close to pronouncing that. I think that. it's Zavgorodny. Uh, right. Pronunciations may vary on that one. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, are they all on the same line? They're all on the same line, and we saw Ramuski once, and that was not a fun game for us. That was actually uh, the Eagles' uh, worst game of the season. I can't remember the exact score, but it was a blow, and it was, it was a close game in parts, but then it just kind of got out of hand. But, yeah, 
the I mentioned uh, Sokolov, uh, Francis, and uh, Boudria playing together here, and Lavoie, Gru, and Trapanier playing in Halifax. Those are both really good lines. However, the top line in the league this year most definitely has been the trio of Lafreniere, Pere, and Zabroni. I mean, just three different. His Lafreniere is like the master of all trades, and then Zabroni's your typical, you know, shifty import skilled European, and Pare's your big truck there on that first line. Pare is an interesting story because when he was picked, St. John had four picks in the first round, and Pare was considered a bit of a reach where they picked him at number 10, and obviously he's not with the Sea Dogs anymore, but he was one of these guys you thought if he could get it together, his skill and his size, and maybe if he was if he was just a shade ahead in his development, he'd probably be playing pro, but as a result now, he's almost in a league where he's too much of a man to play in, so he's uh, really kind of being a wrecking ball there, well ahead in front in the uh, goal-scoring department. And, of course, you, you've heard all about Alexi Lafreniere. You know what he's all about. In terms of this Ramuski team, yeah, I would say for sure uh, being top-heavy is, is a bit of a concern. Uh, they have a great goaltender, Colt Nellis. Um, I think they're expecting uh, uh, Chris Verinas to take a step back on the blue line. He's not really producing a ton offensively, but it's definitely they lost some key players from last year. Uh, Charles Edward Destu was a big key for them on the blue line in terms of being a really good two-way player. So there's not a ton of star power there outside the top players. Um, I think, actually, uh, Zachary Bolduc was a player they picked in the first round who dropped a little bit because of uh, NCAA aspirations, which was kind of the, a theme of the Q draft this year. And he's come, and he's actually been given a top-six role, and he's, he's looked pretty good in that role. But I think it's a team that's uh, going to have to make some make some moves to shore up. They can't win on that one line, kind of similar to Halifax, really. But the top line has uh, certainly been very impressive. But I think, unlike where Halifax hosted the Memorial Cup last year, I think some people think they're going to be the team that step back. Whereas Ramuski, you look at them, it's like, okay, this is a team, you know, they may have some holes, but they're probably going to go all in to try to win Lafreniere's last year in the league. All right, well, like, I have to ask you a little bit about uh, Lafreniere, and, and just from your perspective, having uh, been able to watch him uh, several times uh, with your own eyes, is this a, you know, a Nathan McKinnon type uh, impact player at the next level? Is Sean Couturier, or is he Sidney Crosby? Uh, you know, what are you expecting from Lafreniere once he's uh, done in the queue and, and moves on to the NHL next year? Yeah, I would say McKinnon caliber would probably be more apt. Uh, obviously, Crosby is, a, is an extremely, uh, yeah. extremely high standard to, to reach up to. And actually, it's interesting Lafreniere is there because the, the Oceanique uh, started their season. It's the 25th season. So they're throwing all the bells and whistles. And the first, the first night of the year was Sidney Crosby retirement night. <laughs> and uh, the Jersey retirement, I think, was 80 minutes long. <laughs> Somebody was joking they were going to go for 87 minutes. And uh, Crosby actually sat down with some of his old teammates, Mark Tobin and Eric Nielsen, who were uh, players with the Oceanique when he was there. And they all sat in the dressing room with the current players. And kind of a cool story. But So Lafreniere, I don't think he's going to be uh, reaching that uh, level of expectation. But we saw him in the playoffs last year. Again, extremely well-rounded player, good at everything. So, you know, I don't think uh, he, he has the, the Crosby wow factor, but I say McKinnon is probably a, a good comparison in terms of impact. And you know, I would expect, you know, he'll be, you know, he'll be somebody who steps in right away next year and is a solid player in the NHL. It's, it's a bit different too, I guess, for the players of late birthday because he's, you know, kind of dominating based on the fact it's his third year major junior. But, right. you know, I, I don't think anybody that picks him is going to be disappointed next year. Uh, when you look at the standings uh, throughout the rest of the league and you see some of the teams that have really struggled out of the gate, are, are there any surprises? I mean, I think everybody expected Acadie Bathurst would be would be a weak team this year. What about Gatineau and Victoriaville uh, out in the other conference uh, with uh, you know not a whole lot going for them so far? And St. John seems to be struggling again this year. 
Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some takeaways from the early part of the season. Uh, Victoriaville last year, they were a team that really went all in in 2017-2018. And me and a lot of other people who are watching the league were just expecting them to be tire fire proportions last season. And then they end up getting home ice in the Western Conference and winning in the first round. Now, mind you, the West was significantly weaker than the East. But last year, they vastly overachieved. And I thought this year that you know they maybe just kind of stay the course. But obviously, it's been a really rough year for them. Uh, Gatineau, I think it's just that's just a situation where history is catching up with them. For the longest time, they were the team that you know tried to be pretty good every year and didn't really build around draft picks, and you can only do that for so long. And then even when you change course, it kind of it takes a bit of time to redirect. And I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Lucas Pincari and in his podcast, he had predicted that, that they were going to miss the playoffs. He's like, it's finally going to be the year because it's been 30 years, I think, since they've missed. And uh, for those of you unfamiliar, if you look at the Q standings, it's a little bit weird where there's 10 teams in the in the East and there's eight in the West. Well, what they do is if ninth in the East is better than eighth in the West, they cross over. So right now, Gatineau would be out of the playoffs. So. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's maybe overdue. St. John is interesting. You look at St. John and Shawinigan, where kind of teams that run a similar path. Uh, St. John won the, uh, you know, they obviously have a lot of success winning championships in the past. And, you know, after winning in 2017, there was a big rebuild going on there. In 2018, they managed to get seven of the top 40 ranked players in the Q draft because they had five picks. They had three picks in round one, two picks in round two. They ended up trading for Alex Rover from Cape Breton, who was our first-round pick. And then Dawson Stairs, a nephew of Matt Stairs, of course, former big league slugger, they managed to get him in the seventh round, I think, and another NCAA guy. So they have a ton of really talented 17-year-olds. So you, sometimes when you have a group like that, you don't know how it's going to go. And that's why it hasn't gone well. Part of that is the conference they're in. I'm sure, you know, people are – Watching uh, Josh Dixon might be under the microscope there coaching that team. So I expect them to take more of a step forward this year. I think it would be a bit of a wild card, but at the same time, you know, they are in a tough division. So that's uh, not helping matters. In terms of positive surprises, for me, the two would be Quebec and Drummondville. Mm-hmm. Drummondville is just coming off a nine-game winning streak, which to me is incomprehensible. I kind of looked at them this year the same way I looked at Victoriaville the year before. But they had two guys that were first-round picks in their draft year in 2017, Xavier Simino and Dawson Mercer, who are uh, lighting it up. And Dawson Mercer is an interesting story, actually, because he's a late birthday, and the Central Scouting put out their list, and they had four players in the queue listed A, and then they actually did a revision to bump Dawson Mercer up to A status. So him and Simino have been playing well. They got uh, a rough ride their last two games, so I think Drummondville's coming back down to earth. Same with Quebec. Uh, Quebec's a team of really good 20-year-olds, but other than that, they're very young, and they're starting to come back to earth. They've lost three of their last four, I believe, so I think that's uh, that's uh, going to be an awakening for them. But good uh, news for them is they gambled on James Malatesta in the seventh round, another NCAA guy, see a pattern here, and he's been one of the top 16-year-olds in the league, and outside the 20-year-olds, he's leading their offense. So to me, uh, Quebec and Drummondville uh, would be positive surprises. Val Dor was a team I expected to take a mild step forward. They really struggled out of the gate, and now they're on a five-game winning streak. So I think that's uh, course correction going on there in Val Dor. So that's a little bit what's uh, going on around the league. I noticed uh, in St. John, Max Chaikovich uh, has only played three games. He got a serious injury, or what's the status there? Yeah, we uh, actually haven't had the chance to see uh, St. John a lot this year. It was oddly enough, uh, Chaikovich had a hard time staying in the lineup last year. It was a couple times he was a healthy scratch uh, for uh, 
discipline reasons. But yeah, it's uh, it's been an injury this year, which is obviously hurting them because you know he's you know he's a year older than all those other guys that I mentioned and has that year of few experience. So I haven't heard much of a timeline on him, so I don't know when he's due back. As I said, we haven't seen St. John, so. Hopefully it's going to be soon because obviously uh, they could uh, they could use that based on the way their season's going. Any other storylines uh, that you're following uh, right now, uh, Patrick? I think just the big thing is you know the dominance kind of of the Eastern Conference. And of course, we'd be remiss uh, at, we talk about the East, but of course, the top team in the league right now is in the West, the Sherbrooke Phoenix, and they are nine on one. Their last ten games, they came to Sydney on last Saturday. And that was an excellent hockey game. I was really looking forward to it, and it was great. Their uh, top line's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Sam Boulin, of course, coming off being drafted in the first round uh, by Pittsburgh. He's an exceptional player, and I'm kind of curious uh, to see how they would play out. And uh, this one uh, might surprise some people. Uh, their goaltender, Samuel Hillevi, had a very strong game. He's from Slovakia. Now, that's noteworthy because unlike the other two leagues, the Q didn't get any import goaltenders last year, and he's the only one in the Q this year. So uh, a lot of people didn't even realize that that ban had been lifted last year, but I think yeah, they're very happy and kind of a winning scenario because uh, he ends up pushing Oliver Okolar out of the lineup, and he seems to be doing pretty well out in Lethbridge there, so right, yeah. I guess everybody wins in that scenario. But yeah, Sherbrooke is their team. They came into the league in 2012-2013. They're the most recent expansion team in the Q, and you know they didn't win a single playoff series until last year, so I think they're a team... Maybe not getting the hype of like Ramuski and, and Shakutin with some big names there. Uh, that was another unfortunate story, actually. Uh, kind of a dark horse uh, candidate to go in the first round in uh, Shakutin, Theo Rochette's uh, been out with Mono. He's been uh, limited to just a few games, so hopefully he'll be back soon. But yeah, definitely watching uh, Sherbrooke to see uh, what they do. And it's uh, going to be a fairly competitive uh, year in the queue this year. I think you look Moncton and Cape Breton are obviously in the conversation. Uh, you know, Sherbrooke and I think Scudamy and Ramuski as well are all kind of your teams that could win, and I think it's going to be a fun season. Lots of uh, cool stories to follow for sure in the queue and some uh, great races. We've seen a lot of parody over the, the last few years at the top end, at least uh, in the queue, and that makes it exciting. Patrick, always exciting when I get to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for bringing us all up to speed. All right. Thanks, Guy. Anytime. That's Patrick McNeil, voice of the uh, Cape Breton Eagles. And I mentioned in the first segment, uh, that conversation I had uh, with Patrick was yesterday. So the first game of that home-and-home home series uh, between the Eagles and the Moncton Wildcats is in the books. 10-4. Moncton uh, really having their way with the Eagles in that one. And the bad news is that uh, Kevin Mandelis, the uh, starting netminder for the Eagles, goes down to injury, leaves halfway through the game with an apparent lower body injury. Uh, looked at and uh, Jeremy Fraser, who uh, covers the team as a beat writer for the uh, Cape Breton Post, he's uh, reported and tweeted it last night that it looked to be uh, looked to be his leg. So you don't want to speculate. There's supposed to be an update. Uh, he'll he'll get reevaluated here today, uh, but I haven't seen any sort of news. You don't want to speculate too much. But you know, if it's a high ankle sprain or something like that, that goalies are you know often uh, susceptible to, uh, that would be uh, terrible news. For the Cape Breton Eagles. Next up on the Pipeline Show, we're going to uh, head all the way to the WHL. So from one end of the country to the other, Larry Fisher, who writes for the Hockey Writers, also does some scouting for future considerations. He's my guest for the In the Dub segment. We're going to focus on the BC Division. We'll tackle all of that next here on the Pipeline Show. And Doc will get back to it. Dock at his blue line. Comes to center. Ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing. Trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front. Shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Dock! Put-
hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Dock. And the Blades have opened the scoring in game two in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. Skate into your weekend with Edmonton Oil Kings Hockey at Rogers Place. Squaring off with the Saskatoon Blades tonight. Don't miss your shot to see your Oil Kings live. Come see your WHL leading Oil Kings take on their East Division rival live tonight. Oil Kings, Blades. Tonight at 7. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. 